our scriptures this evening will be in Isaiah uh, chapter number 9. You know, we began our look into <clears throat> the Christmas season, and uh, uh, as we enter into it, God's children, as well as many lost people, think about the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, we think about it differently than the lost folks, but indeed we think about the birth of Christ, and even some of they do. We sing songs uh, at Christmas. We began this morning. We sang some this evening. And the uh, songs, and, and we retell <clears throat> about his coming all through scriptures. We find places, and it's one of those things where for a pastor or a preacher, you, you go, oh, okay, this is, this is the Christmas season. These are going to be, all these sermons will be about uh, Christmas and the Christ child and all. And uh, you think, okay, so we've been doing this now for how many years? And is there anything new under the sun? <laughs> and no, there's not. And and such, but it's just, I believe, the way the Lord works in our hearts to give us these information and such, and um, we want to make sure that we commemorate his birth. Uh, we often give gifts to one another to remind ourselves of the greatest gift that God gave to us, amen? We talked about that this morning, uh, you know, doing, uh, having a right Christmas, Indeed, you know, so this evening I'm going to continue this tradition of uh, study and look in, in, in a very favorite and popular verse in Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, it's a favorite because it presents Jesus Christ in a, it's in his fullness. And indeed, it's something a very few verses in the scripture can do and capture it all at one time. And this verse presents Jesus coming. It presents his dying and coming again. All in one verse. This verse reveals much of the activity uh, of Jesus Christ in, in the lives of his people. So we'll go with me here in Isaiah chapter 9 in verse number 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Tonight I'd like to look at this verse and discover just one aspect, and that is why heaven calls him Wonderful. It stands out, you know, if you think about it, the word of God calls him a wonder in amongst all the wonders in heaven. And it, it still were to theme him as a wonder. A wonder. You know, it's just, there's got to be a reason why that even heaven calls him a wonder. So we're going to look at that this evening. And uh, I guess we're going to look at no wonder they call him a wonder. Amen. <laughs> For lack of a catchier title. But he, he's wonderful. And he's a wonder uh, because of his humanity. His humanity. You know, a, a child is born. Look at this <clears throat> beginning of the verse. For unto us a child is born. Okay, this brings to mind his humanity. He's born. You know, I think the Jews were looking for their Messiah to come, their Savior to come already in a grown-up form. 
They were looking for some king that would, that would just appear. Now, whether he, this Messiah would, would appear and come down out of heaven in some kind of majesty, you know, that they could all look and go, whoa, and everybody would stop and look up and see heaven open and down would come the Messiah. I think a lot of them thought that. I have a really good idea from Scripture. That's what Satan thought he could use. When he took Christ into the wilderness and he asked him to throw himself off from up here in this high place. You know what Satan's plan was? I kind of have an idea. His plan would have been after Jesus jumped off there, he would have brought forth all of his angels. All right, not Jesus's, Satan's angels. And they'd have made a grand entrance out of Jesus. And he wouldn't have dashed his foot against the stone. He would have come down and been something and all the people would have been ah and that would have gone against what God had already planned and ordained that was what Satan wanted to do but Jesus was born the Messiah came born that was not expected the the Jews were not thinking about that even though even though their teaching said so you know, you think about Isaiah so far back in time from Christ's birth. says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful. You think about this, you know, his, the way it came. A child is born. They should have been looking. It was really, I, I would imagine it was very embarrassing for all of those Bible scholars or the, the uh, scripture scholars and the Pharisees and such, when here come some wise men from the east saying, where is this child that's to be born king? It's in their own rule book. And they weren't even looking. You know, and I've preached on them like that before, and I'm sure several have, but they're not looking. It's right here in the scriptures. The very same scriptures they have in scroll format, for unto us a child is born. Well, he was born, all right, but he was no ordinary baby. Amen? He was flesh, but at the same time, he's God. We talked about that this morning in John chapter 1, verse 1. All right? His birth was anything but ordinary. If you look at it in Luke chapter 1, let's go to Luke chapter 1, only because I, I absolutely love what we come to the you know the the christmas story or the christmas account in chapter one beginning in verse 26 in the sixth month the angel gabriel was sent from god into a city of galilee named nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was joseph of the house of david and the virgin's name was mary and the angel came in unto her and said hail Thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Now we're going to pause right here for a second because I said his birth is anything but ordinary. The, the very announcement was not ordinary. All right, you know, ladies, if I could be so forward to ask the question, how many of you had this experience how many of you said, yep, I know it. The Lord came to me and said, yep, this is what's happening. Okay, so this is kind of unique. 
All right? It's kind of unique. It's anything but ordinary. His accomplishments, anything but ordinary. What he, what he did, look at verse 32. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Now, if you're not biblically scholarly, you think, well, wait a minute, I thought... Well, if you're really not biblically, you know, biblically scholar, you know, you'd think, well, I thought his father's name was Joseph. No, no, no. Father's God. But it goes down through the lineage of he came through David because it was through David's line he was promised. So anyway, hey, how it was accomplished was anything but ordinary. You know, uh, how many, I mean, we see it in the scriptures, uh, but how many of you do family trees? How many of you keep track of a family tree? You go, so how far, how many, seriously, raise your hand. If you're the family historian, all right, how far back do you go? How many generations can you get back through? Not very far. No? Okay, well, you ever read through the beginning of the, the, the genealogy of Jesus Christ? It goes all the way back through the beginning. All right, so that's not ordinary either. Not ordinary at all. And, and, and the accompaniment in his birth, look at chapter 2, since we're in Luke. In Luke chapter 2, it came to pass, in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Oh! There you go. God doesn't miss a trick, does he? Just because Joseph is not Jesus' father, Joseph still falls in under the category of the lineage of David. God's making sure the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. Amen? They're his rules. So we'll continue on. To be taxed with Mary, his spouse, wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished, she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. All this is familiar. We hear this. I mean, even if you're not going to church, you're going to hear this come up on Charlie Brown Christmas. Well, praise the Lord for that. I mean, you tried it today to get, you know, if it wasn't for Charlie Brown, primetime TV wouldn't have any gospel witness, would it? Isn't that something? Leave it to a cartoon. Talked about being light this morning, there's a good chance for us to be light. Amen. Amen. So in its accompaniment, I mean, the way Jesus was born, you know, the announcement of it, the accomplishment of it, and the accompaniment, who is he with, etc. all these, you know, he's God in the flesh, but he was also just a helpless baby. And that takes God to do that. You know, you think about it, the wonder of the creator being dependent upon the creature for his food and nourishment. He created Mary, yet he himself is looking toward her. What a blessing. No wonder they call him wonderful. Amen? <laughs> well, he's wonderful in his humility, too. Going back now, let's get back into Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a child is born. We covered that. His wonderful in his humility, for unto us a son is given. A son is given. This calls to mind his deity. 
his deity. If you'll notice this in verse number six, unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, it's not just any, it's the government, all right? Not of a, not of a, of a kingdom here on earth, not of a tribe of, you know, one of the tribes of uh, Judah or the tribes of Israel. No, the government. We see this. This is that peak toward the future. He's more than just a man. He's a God-man. What a blessing. You know, it reminds us that Jesus was the son of God, but, you know, coming as a babe. By the way, believing that Jesus is God's son is essential to being saved, isn't it? You, you can't say, oh, I love God, I trust God, but Jesus was just a good prophet. He was just a good teacher. He was just a good whatever. Just No, there's no just a uh, in anything about Jesus. Amen. He is the. But this little phrase, is given, which literally means, all right, literally means to be delivered up. To be delivered up. When you do the word searching and all this stuff for that, you know, is given. Means he's going to be given up. Reminds us he came into the world for a single purpose to redeem us. A singular purpose. He delivered himself up for the ransom of sin. That little babe, you know, I can't, I know it's standing there behind me and I'm not even sure what's in there. Robin and Pam did that and made the decoration there. Is there a, I don't know what's in there, but it's not really Jesus. But you think about the, when you think about the, the manger, you know, and that little babe that's there, I just kind of, my mental goes back there to that scene just to help me remember that little babe, you know, is God, the creator of all, you know, and in his humility, as was mentioned, he left heaven, the perfectness of heaven. Now, we, we can imagine and we do, we go to great lengths to tell ourselves just how awesome heaven's going to be and just how wonderful heaven's going to be and how we're not going to be sick and how we're not going to be injured and how we're not going to have this or that trouble or this trouble or any of all that kind of stuff. But you know what? We are really, really cutting heaven short of it. And I think we understand that. We, there are no words. There are no words. The, the angels speak and sing, you know, and, and Christ that was there. God was there and left to be put into the, the form of a babe, to come be born, you know. So he's wonderful in his humility, what he endured. You know, we, we think about the price that he paid to save our souls. The spitting the beatings, the nailing to the cross. Those are physical things. You know, the abuse, the pulling of his beard, the being struck in the face, the crown of thorns. I mentioned all that. We know about those things. You know, but there's one thing when you list out what he endured uh, to save our souls. One of the things that he endured is probably the paramount thing, the rejection. You know, and the rejection of his own people, they hating him. 
they rejecting him. You know, and he went through all that. What other word could be used to describe him but wondrous? Indeed. When you read Matthew chapter 27 and you read of the horrors of the day that he died, what else can you say about him? But he's wonderful. There's nothing more you can say, but he is wonderful. No wonder they called him wonderful. Well, with just a small verse, but we look at this and we find there's wonderful and wonder in his honor as well. The honor of his position. We are told that the government shall be upon his shoulder. And there, there's, there's a couple of great truths when you, when you study this part of the verse out that uh, are a real blessing. First of all, that the son was given who died on the cross, he would rise again. And that's exactly what he did. He died and rose again. You know, it's, it's no coincidence. There are no coincidences with God. And it's no coincidence that, that you know, Isaiah is speaking what he speaks, that Malachi speaks what he speaks, that, you know, throughout scriptures, all of these prophets that God has given words to share with Israel, to share with people, even words that Jesus has said, that even words that Jesus told to John when John was on the island of Patmos after Jesus was ascended to heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father, things that we have recorded in the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ, things that come to pass, well, it's, it's just wonderful. That's what he's done for us. You know, his honor. And secondly, this, this phrase takes us many, many years into the future. It does. He come to earth to rule and to reign in glory upon the earth. I know for the world folks, you know, they, they'll hear us, you know, some of us talking about certain things that are going to happen. And I've had it told to me several times, well, that just sounds like science fiction to me. Well, I, <laughs> I can't help that. It's, it is what God said it would be. But I, through faith, don't think of it as science fiction. I think of it as divine truth. You know, and, and uh, to me, science fiction is that fact that 15 billion years ago, somebody, something blew up something, and we don't know what, but here we all are. The same thing, one thing blew up, made of one thing, and that one thing has, uh, you know, evolved into us. So I don't know when you, how many of you like baking and, and cooking? I, I make, you know, I like making peanut brittle. You know, there's a couple of ingredients in peanut brittle. And I've not found any of them in people. <laughs> well, I find peanut brittle in me, but, you know, uh, how many of you, how many of you have you know, you're formed of caro syrup. Well, there's caro syrup. Where'd it come from? Going with the science fiction that's out there. You see my point. You know, and, and into the future, this is, this is not science fiction. This is truth. It's divine truth. 
You know, that second advent of Jesus Christ, is, is, it's in view here. His government shall be upon his shoulder. You think about it. <laughs> He's not going to come and return to this world to being uh, the Lamb of God. See, the Lamb was a sacrifice. That's already happened. He's coming to this world now to be the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen? He's returning not to die, not to die, but to reign, not to suffer, but to put down evil indeed. And he's going to rule the world a thousand years. And we, his bride, will rule and reign with him those thousand years. You know, it's amazing. We'll be part of that. The honor of his position is the fact that he will have the government on his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Well, we see that. You know, the, the first time he came, he came as a savior to die. And his name was anything but wonderful to the lips and the tongues that spoke it. All sorts of ridicule, all sorts of shame, and all sorts of rejection, all sorts of everything. But you know, <laughs> there was those group that even they heard of him, knew of him. He, they're, they're face to face and they, they say, but we have no king but Caesar. Well, they'd be changing their tune very soon, you know. And, and I, I feel for them in that regard because if they would have seen him as who he really was, and who he really is there that day, there'd be a whole different outcome. A whole different outcome. And I think about that same thing with people that are among us, amongst us today. Those that, you know, you, you see them in your workplace, you see them in schools, maybe you see them in your own families, in the communities. And, and they're the, the folks that just, they play Christmas. They... They, you know, they have that superficial, we talked about this morning, that superficial belonging to the Lord, but, but they don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And there'll be that day, every knee shall bend, every tongue shall confess. You know, our, our job is to share the wonder of this Christmas the wonder of it. And that wonder is Jesus Christ. You know, we need to exalt him. We need to share him. We need to announce it from the rooftop, not just, you know, within our own homes. We can never forget who he is. Never forget. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You know, the question, I guess, is has he been enthroned as Lord and king in your life? See, it's one thing to be saved, one thing to accept Jesus Christ, but, but to, to let him be and to make him the Lord and the king of your life. That's different. You know, that's, that's, that's a walk that you walk every day. What a blessing of that. You know, the, in his person, you know, Jesus is given several names in just this one verse. 
when you think about it. He's wonderful. That means supernatural. That means secret, extraordinary. That means incredible. The name points out that the truth is there's nothing common about Jesus. He's wonderful. Counselor. Word means to advise, to counsel, to guide, to purpose, to direct. That's his role. That's his role. Guiding, leading forth our lives. And he is wonderfully qualified to do so. Amen. All right. I mean, he had, if you think about it, <clears throat> when you go down through the qualifications and you see things in Scripture, and this is, again, where, where the shallower, the, the ones who don't spend as much time in the Word miss out on some of the jewels, the nuggets of truth in Scripture. You know, he had, there were, there were so many things that he's qualified and what qualified Jesus to be who he is. First of all, he had, he had the age and the experience. All right? He had the age and experience. Why is it that, think that Jesus waited around? I mean, he was born as a babe in the manger. We find nothing about him, really, and after he's two years old. And then at 12, he pops up discussing things with the doctors in the, in the temple, etc. right? And then it disappears again. We don't hear anything about him. And then when he's 30, he begins his ministry. Why is that? Because that's the law. You were 30 years old before you began the ministry in, in, in the Jewish custom, the law. See, he's not, I mean, said, he's, got, he's not missing a trick. God has it all sorted out. He's not going to give any occasion whereby one may find a fault in what Jesus did in any single effect of his life. At 30, he began ministry. He has the knowledge of all things. He is God. So he has all that knowledge, and he's got the education as well. You know, he's God. He knows all these things. If you just think about it, um, some of the, wrote several things down in scriptures as you go through. They're used for other things, but they show the qualifications. Um, He's always available. Matthew 28, 20, right? And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. It's always available. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And his motives are always pure. He can, can, could you really, I mean, think about it. Could God ever have a motive that wasn't pure? And he's God, so his motives are always pure. He's a mighty God. He defeated death. He defeated sin. He defeated the grave. And he made it possible for us to have eternity. Amen. What a blessing there. Everlasting Father. You know, there, there's never been a time when he was not. We talked about that this morning. You know, there's never been a time when he was not. Sometimes that you start thinking of little things like that when you're driving down a road, and you next thing you know, five exits have gone by, and you wonder, where am I at? <laughs> Done that. <laughs> you know, just and sure, he's the great I am. That's his title. I am. Not I was, not I will be. I am. What a blessing. You know, and, and by the way, if you're saved. Your life is tied to his, and you will live only as long as he does. 
Only as long as he does. Forever. Amen. <laughs> People said, you know, their kids always ask questions like that. Well, well, we'll be in heaven, yeah. Well, how long will we live? Forever. Well, will God be? Yeah, we're only going to live as long as God does. Amen. Hey, what a blessing. You know, the, the Prince of Peace, it says here at the last. The Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The fact this calls to mind the very truth that he will rule his kingdom in peace. And I'm looking forward to that. Well, how, how's he going to do that? Well, first of all, because there's no sin there. It's not going to be any of those struggles. It's not going to be any of that. He's the creator. He can do that. Right? I mean, he is. He's, he's the very provider of peace. So therefore, eternity in peace. And those who know him know all about peace, I tell you. If you think about it. There's times in your life, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, there are times in your life when you know you should have been a basket case about this event that happened or that event that happened or this struggle, that you should have been really beside yourself with, with grief, with anger, with frustration, whatever. But yet there was a peace in it. And that's why that, that statement of peace that passeth all understanding. There's no earthly reason why you were as calm and at peace over that thing except for Jesus Christ. You know, and so, yeah, the Prince of Peace. I like that. What a blessing. He provides peace. He provides peace and joy and love. You know, in John chapter 4, we're told about a, a woman who met Jesus at a well one day, right? And she went away from that well, ran up to the city and told everybody there, come and see a man, come and see a man. All of her life, she'd been looking for Mr. Wonderful. She'd been trying. I mean, she had five husbands and the man she was living with wasn't her husband, looking for Mr. Right, Mr. Wonderful. She finally found him. Amen. He's wonderful, and I got a short list, and we'll be done, of why he's wonderful. He's a physician who never loses a case. Amen. <laughs> he's a captain who never loses a battle. He's a teacher who perfectly teaches every single lesson. He's a preacher who always preaches the right message. Oh, to be that. He's a musician who always plays the right note. He's an artist who never misses a stroke, a savior who completely saves all who come to him. Amen. And he's a master who always leads in the right direction. A friend who sticks closer than a brother and a counselor who always gives the right advice. There's a wonder no wonder they call him a wonder. You know, let's stand. Their heads bowed and their eyes closed for just a moment this evening. 622 is what we'll be singing as our invitation. But just if you would with me, just 
bow your head for a moment. And if you know Jesus as your personal Savior, then you know why they call him wonderful. You've gotten saved. No one else could do that. What he did for you is wonderful. Who he is is wonderful. Maybe tonight you'd just like to come before him, reaffirm your commitment to him, and express your thanks and your gratitude to him. Think of the blessings in your life. Think of those things that, that uh, he has blessed you with in his wonderfulness. Not just your salvation, but the very, you can walk with him daily. You talk with him daily. He guides every decision. At least his desire is to, if you'd but let him. He's wonderful. And if you don't know him as your savior, if you've never trusted him, you've likely spent your life looking for Mr. Wonderful, but I can tell you, look no farther. Look no farther than the Lord Jesus Christ. That one who we celebrate this season was born as a babe in a manger, but he is all God. You can come face to face with the Lord at the altar. I can show you. There's other men here, fellas, that could show you. Ladies, there's ladies here that could show you. We could just, from God's word, how you can have that peace that passeth understanding, that love, that joy. And you can have that wonderful Savior as your Savior. He desires to be. You come to him and be saved and you'll know why they call him wonderful. Well, it's no wonder that they called him wonderful here in this scripture. You know why. So do you have business with him tonight? The altar be open as we sing number 622 in our hymnal.